Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. For those of you regular listeners, I know we're getting out a little bit later this week, but it's a busy time of year. I don't know about for you guys, but definitely for us, there are choir concerts, and Jason's band has concerts, and um, I'm finishing a semester and starting a new quarter, and... Christmas shopping, like it's been busy. Yeah, uh, the band is busy. I'm also going through some other things that I'm not going to talk about here. But um, yeah, my it's been a little crazy. The month of December is normally not this crazy, but yeah, it's a a little extra this year. I think it's always crazy. Honestly, it's just worse this year. It doesn't feel this crazy, I guess. But I don't know. Maybe because I have more stuff than just one thing going on, and that overwhelms me a little bit. So yeah, maybe it's not crazy for you. It's always crazy for me. All right, so because of the craziness, we want to get right into our episode this week. Um, and I want to start with news. I've got two pretty quick things on Kickstarter, but they both look really exciting. And they're from kind of longstanding um, publishers. So do they need my help? No. Are any games really benefiting from me talking about them on the podcast? Uh, probably not, to be honest. So I can just talk about whatever I want to talk about. Uh, so the first one I want to talk about, and I would be remiss if I ignored, is Maple Valley from Kids Table Board Games. This is the standalone sequel to um, Creature Comforts, which we really enjoy playing. Uh, just this light family weight worker placement with gorgeous art, great bits. Uh, just a fun game to get out and play that I think is really going to become kind of a standard for people to have in their collection. And I think Maple Valley is going to be no exception. Uh, so in Maple Valley, you're actually going to be working to get things ready for a spring festival. So you're the same little cute creatures. Um, you're going to like play these cards that are friend cards and the friends are helping you out. And the friends will um, give you a special ability so you can get maybe some extra kind of items that you're foraging for while you're walking through the forest. And also your friends are familiar with certain paths through the forest. So they're going to help you go through these trails. Um, so when you're going through the trails, you're picking up uh, little curiosities and you're going, you can get maps that'll help you if you need to go down a trail your friends aren't familiar with. And actually the friends are really important because they allow you to keep playing in the game. It almost has uh, the way Everdell kind of does as far as you can continue to keep playing as long as you have the resources and the abilities to do so. It seems that Maple Valley is along that lines where as long as I have cards that have friends on them, I can keep moving my workers through the forest. And so there are different kinds of places that you can take these trails to to get different kinds of goods. And goods are going to allow you then to make favors. And favors are kind of like um, the comforts that you were crafting in um, Creature Comforts. But they're favors that are going to be used at the, the festival. So crafting favors goes on to like festivities. So for example, like at a square dance, we need some snacks. We need some music. We're going to maybe need some... Um, decorations. And so those are all different types of favors that can be made. And so then when you make when you make them using uh, the resources you collected, you can put cubes onto the festivities. 
Um, and once that's supplied, an event happens. So, and, and gives you points as well. Re- I like that. It seems like it's a little bit more involved. Um, you have friends. The, an hour runs as long as you have friends. You're advancing your sun in the sky. Um, then you get your workers back and you do it again. I think it's like five different hours, five rounds. Um, you can get... You're getting bonuses from crafting favors and contributing to festivities, and you can get patches even as well. So it looks like creature comforts maybe even amped up a little bit. And I like that because while I do like creature comforts, um, I like that this maybe has another extra level of complexity. It's got the awesome bits that we're all that we're used to. I th- you have to, I think the fancy wooden ones, you pay a little extra for, but the artwork, adorable, gorgeous. Um, I'm really pumped about this. So if you like creature comforts or if you like kids table board games, I there is I don't think there's a game that they've made that I don't like. Check out Maple Valley. Uh, it's got five days left on Kickstarter. And just a, the basic pledge to get the game is $54. Yeah, I actually have this backed right now, but I don't know if it's going to stay backed or not. I I love kids table board games, but, you know, yeah, I'm not sure. This one sounds great. It looks great. Consistent art, all that kind of thing. It's a, a no-brainer to back this and get this game. But, yeah, it, it looks cool for sure. It does exceed Jason's backing limit. So we'll see if it lasts. He backed Wonderland's War. Now he's lost his mind. Yeah, that's the reason why I'm rethinking a lot of these <laughs> other ones. The next game I want to talk about is in a series of games um, from Gameland Games, the Tiny Epic series. I have not played a single one of these games. I, I I know everyone has. I've never played a tiny epic game. I played Galaxy and Western. That's all I've played. I haven't even played those. But this looks like one that I would definitely want to play. And it is Tiny Epic Crimes. So this is a crime fighting deduction game. One to four players. You can play it cooperatively, which to me seems stupid, or competitively, which is what I want to do. And you're taking on the role of detectives. You are solving a murder case. And what I really like about this is they've set it up that, like, if you are a kind of true crime or even fictional crime buff like I am, the first 48 hours, those are what matter the most in a crime. So that is kind of how you are keeping track and going through the game is you've got 48 hours to go around the city, collect evidence, you know, you're finding the murder weapon, you're looking for forensics or the getaway vehicle or whatever that was involved. They have kind of like, they call it this tiny epic decoder system, which reminds me a lot of like the old password game where it was like red, but you slid it underneath like the the little magnifying glass to see the part of it, what the password was. Makes me think of Christmas story and it's going to say drink more oval tea yeah. when it's all done. This is your little orphan Annie Dakota ring. <laughs> they have it in this game. But actually, you slide these different cards into these envelopes. So they only reveal the piece of evidence based on the envelope that you're opening so that you can find out um, the information that you have discovered. And it kind of keeps other things secret. Um, it's supposed to you know, keep you. The interesting thing is you've got this time to do the investigation. But I love how they did this really thematic thing. Like, just because you're working on a current case doesn't mean that other crime isn't happening. So there are also these cards that are like uh, Call of Duty. And there's these events that come out that you also have to take care of. Like, there might be a bank heist or there's some arsonist uh, while you're also solving the original crime. And when you complete them, you actually get stuff that helps you with your case. 
but it is advancing the time that you have to solve the crime. I think that's super cool. I really like that. Um, so man, this this is one that I would definitely be interested in. There's You can get deluxe content, which has got a couple different expansions. There's like a whole Kingpin, Dirty Cop, a couple different expansions out there. Uh, but just the regular game looks really cool. So Tiny Epic Crimes, there are five days left on next Kickstarter and just the basic game, 25 bucks. So I, I'm really interested in this. When you were talking about this, the game that it reminded me of is Police Precinct. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're, you're traveling around trying to solve the murder, collecting it, you know, evidence and all that stuff from different locations. But there are other things that happen, like there could be a domestic dis- dispute. There could be like a bomb threat car accident so you're while you're doing the other things you get sidetracked by all these other little crimes that are going on that's kind of what this reminds me of but just not cooperative there so there is a big crime i thought you were just trying to solve all the crap no you have to help the little ones you have to do the little ones you could lose because the city's overrun by crime but the ultimate goal is to find the murderer you're trying to find the weapon the motive and the location or something like that and then eventually the murderer comes out on the board and you have to beat him up that's kind of how it works. Oh, we maybe didn't get that far to the murderers. The problem. No, you, you usually don't get that far. Yeah, you usually don't. That game is really hard, but this one looks really good. So, uh, yeah, I think it looks. I would. I would definitely move to play this tiny epic game. Yeah, sounds cool. Yeah. So those are my Kickstarter choices for the week. All right, so next up, we're going to talk about a few games that we played. We're going to talk about three, but just for the sake of time, we're going to do two today. And these are some, you know, an old favorite party game that now is one of my new favorites of all time, probably. And a new hotness game, because we love to talk about the new hotness on the channel. (laughs) And that joke never gets old, and I'm probably going to do it every time. Of course you will. Um, So the first game we're going to talk about is a party game. Now, I got this at Half Price Books after I heard some... I uh, heard Mike from the board game rundown talking about it, and he gave us some rave reviews. I found it. It was pretty cheap. We took it to Thanksgiving, and we played it like three times. It, or two times. I'm not sure. We played it a couple times with huge groups. And did I say the name of the game? The game's called Cash and Guns. You didn't yet. If, if I didn't say that. And this is a game. like it. It really is just a big, it's a big party game. But all you're doing in this game is you're trying to earn loot. That is out on the table. You're thieves and you're trying to split the loot. The interesting thing is some of the thieves aren't, well, none of them are getting along. And you're going to be holding each other up at gunpoint to either shoot them, wound them so they don't get any of the loot, or pretend like you're going to shoot them to maybe they'll bow out so you get more loot. And after all that is done, if you get shot, you don't get any loot. If you bow out, you don't get any loot. Everybody that's left will take some loot and you're just trying to get the most money through painting, diamonds, money, through the course of eight rounds. That's it. That's the gist of the game. You're bluffing. You might not be shooting people, but you're pointing a gun at someone's head, and it is awesome. So much fun. I got both expansions now. Gives you a whole pile of guns. Plays to nine players. The guns are foam, so they have orange tips. Everybody relax. It's fine. Um, It's just a ton of fun. Special powers. There's surprise cards that you can use. You can play on teams. It's so good. If I'm going to play a party game... This is the only one I want to play now. It's kind of ruined all other games for me, party-wise. I love it. So Cash and Guns. How do you feel about Cash and Guns? Uh, I like it. For some reason, it feels very natural to hold a gun to people that I know in love's head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I turn it sideways if I feel real gangsta. 
Every game should have that mechanism. <laughs> I agree. I'm I'm a big fan. Um, <laughs> honestly, the only I don't love player elimination, and that does happen. That, that's true. It that happened true. quite a bit, and honestly, I think it happened more because. For some reason, we played a couple games, and Jason decided that he needed to kill me all the time. <laughs> I died every game, so I mean... <laughs> you deserved it because you repeatedly shot me. What is wrong with you? Uh, like, that's the other issue. Um, but again, it's definitely one of those games that at first, everyone's like, okay, yeah, we'll play it. And then we're like, coming out, guns blazing, like, yeah, you will. Trying to get people, I think, to, to really get into it. Um to try it. Yeah, we, we did post a picture of both me and Katie putting guns to each other's heads, which is pretty funny. Which Jason basically pistol at me with this foam <laughs> gun. And I'm like, you're only supposed to hold it like as a threat to me. You're not uh, supposed I, to I actually did. bodily injure me with it. What is wrong with you? I didn't mean to hurt hurt you. That just happened on accident. <laughs> I was like, holy crap, what are you doing? <sighs> so basically, I don't ever want to play it with Jason again. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> just don't sit next to me. I think if we just don't sit next to each other, it'll be fine. Okay. You just need to learn to control yourself. I think it's some <laughs> of the issue. That could be it, too. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, it, it is a fun game. I can see why people love it. I can also, like, I know there are people who hate it. And I think the people who hate it are people that uh, have abrasive personalities that people in games like this want to shoot them and eliminate them. <laughs> so that's a personal problem. It's not the game's fault. And I am one of those people also like I know people want to shoot me because I'll be the first to jump on you to be competitive to go after loot. So yeah, I'm excited to see the expansions that we have with um, like player powers and stuff. I think that makes it even cooler. The different types of guns are super cool. Um, yeah, it's just it's just ridiculous and really fun. So yeah, I liked it. Yeah. And I mean, it, it is one of those games where for no reason at all, you can just target the same person over and over and over just because it's funny. It is one of those things, but I mean, it's a short game. You're not playing it for that long. It's pretty quick. Just play it again and just don't play like that the next time. It, it's yeah, it's just funny. It's just funny and silly. And who doesn't love pointing a foam gun to somebody? That's fun, right? All right. So the next game does not have foam guns, which is sad, Ooh. but it is a new hotness. And this is the new version of Clank. And this is Clank Catacombs, and. This still has a lot of the DNA of Clank, but the big difference here is the board is modular. It's going to be tiles. So as you're exploring the catacombs and you get to a path that's leading to nowhere, you're going to take a tile and you get to orient it how you want, leading to whatever rooms that you want because you're playing the tile. As the tiles come out, they're going to have um, artifacts on them. They could have markets. They could have um, a couple new spaces, which are like a library where you can get a tome for free, a prison where you can rescue prisoners, and What's the other thing? Way points? Yeah, like a way shrine. Way shrine, yeah. Which is a, basically a space you can put a cube down on, and the more of those you visit, the more money you're going to get. You get a coin for every time you put down a cube. So if it's my fourth one, I'm going to get four coins because I have three other ones down, which is pretty cool. And there's tele, um, like portals that you can take for movement, which will help you move across the board faster. It, it feels very similar to Clank, but the new features are pretty neat. And the cards do similar stuff. You know, you still have, like, the gems and all that kind of thing. There are some cards that you can play off turn to protect you from some some hits and stuff, which are cool. Um, I personally still like the the static board, an actual board, so I can see what's going on. But that's just a preference for me. I didn't hate the game. I didn't have a good experience on the time that we played it. 
because I kind of got stuck and couldn't do anything. Again, I just took a wrong path, I guess. But I would play it again. I would just do something differently, I think. But again, I would rather just be a regular board. The The randomness of the card draws and the randomness of the tiles is a little too much, I think, for a deck builder that's this long. So how did you feel about Clank Catacombs? Yeah, um, I, I like some of the things they're doing, especially with the lock picks, where you can lay those down to go through paths and they unlock for other people. But you can also use them to unlock treasure tests, um, to unlock prisoners. You can take these puzzle boxes to these way stations and get um like secrets for them which i think is really cool that is cool i did i did like that that was cool um so i like a lot of things they have added a lot of really cool um uh, cards also as well i think it needs a couple more plays for me to get a verdict on it because yeah the tile configuration and how it worked out this time gosh it made it really hard um to figure out how to get back to where you need to be because tiles can also move and like change orientation later as the game progresses which can really screw you over in a in a game where there is a very specific timer um that can just ratchet up at any second so uh, jason i talked about actually like home brewing some rules around this game to make it so that once you hit like that final mark once you get your 10 cubes or whatever um from damage that you could st- you don't die, but maybe uh, you just start losing points because a lot of people are like, oh well, you know you gotta you've got to be out because you got greedy or whatever. And sometimes it's not even that, especially in this version with the randomness of the tiles. Uh, so I I was one tile away from the scoring zone like the whole time, and I died. <laughs> I couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, it was, it was tricky. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's a lot of really cool new things in here. Um, but I, I might need to play it a few more times. I, it definitely is not going to overtake Acquisitions Incorporated for me as far as the best Clank game. But it, I like it had a lot of new things that were pretty cool. Yeah, I'd like to see some of those new mechanisms in a game that has a board. Mm-hmm. Like maybe a future expansion for space or, you know, another basic board that has some of those way shrines and rescuing prisoners and stuff. Because that stuff was cool. The lock picks were fantastic addition. Yeah. I liked all that stuff. But yeah, I just didn't care for the modular board that much. Outside of that, it's Clank. I love Clank. So yeah, it's still a good version of Clank for sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. So those are two games that we played. Let's continue talking about our favorite games of all time. All right. Yes, we are back with the 50s so these are seriously good games this is the top half of the list we're getting ready to head into well we're finishing the top half of the bottom half of this list this is the best of the worst best of the worst it is it is and there's some real good games on here uh so we're going to start with our number 60 and uh, ooh, it's actually a really interesting crossover for jason and i spoiler all right whoops so my number 60 is apparently going to be on katie's list here coming up and it is a game from Alexander Fister with a co-designer. I can never remember the co-designer's name. I do apologize if you happen to stumble across our podcast and are offended. <laughs> I'm sorry. Doubtful. <laughs> and the game is called Broom Service. And this is from Ravensburger. This plays, I think, three to five players or three to six players. And what this game is, is it's a pickup and delivery game, effectively. You're taking these little witches that you have, or you, they can be druids. There's two pawns that you have. And you're delivering potions to different castles on the board. Witches have to move into an area. 
to deliver to score points. Druids have to already be in an area to deliver and score points. And there's also a weather fairy that if she gets next to some weather clouds, she can make them disappear, get more points. Now, the way this game works, though, is what I love about it. Everyone's going to pick, I think, a certain amount of cards, like five or six cards from like nine or ten that they have for the round. You're kind of doing some programming, like a hand programming thing. And then whoever's going first is going to pick a card from their hand. Say they picked a weather fairy. They say, I'm either going to be a brave weather fairy, which means they think they're the only person who played a weather fairy because if someone else is brave, they get negated. Or they're going to be the last person. Yeah, the last person that's brave gets to play. So if other people play brave after you, you don't get to take a turn. Uh, Or you can be cowardly, which is a weaker action, but you're guaranteed to do your action. It's just usually not going to score as many points, doesn't do as much good stuff. But then the problem with that is if someone plays a card that you have in your hand and you didn't want it to go in that order, you have to play the card as well. So maybe I needed the Weather Fairy to happen third, but you did it to go first because you were next to a cloud and you wanted the clouds to get the lightning bolts and the wands and all that thing. And now I have to play mine and I'm not next to anything and it completely screwed my whole entire roundup. So that's the cool part about this game is you're trying to make the thing work for you, but you're also at the mercy of what other people are playing. And then every round, there's going to be an event that comes out that's going to, um, maybe you can sell some of your goods for some points. Maybe you get points for being in certain land types or all that kind of thing, just to jazz it up a little bit. I think you're playing over six or seven rounds. Whoever has the most points is the winner. That's it. Love it. So my number 60, Broom Service, fantastic game. It is good. I like it about as much. But first, (laughs) my number 60 is a game, gosh, I don't know who makes it off the top of my head anymore xyz game labs i think yeah yeah something like that that seems right i can see the box in my head but yeah there's letters it is it is it's xyz game labs uh the game is arch ravels this came out i think last year and it has the cutest theme like you are knitting you and your fellow knitters are kind of it's i it's not really a knitting competition but you are trying to complete um the most projects so you're collecting wool you're learning and finishing patterns um you're making like bears and blankets and scarves and there's even like these little specialty projects that you do and you're just trying to basically collect the um yarn resources and execute the patterns to get points but the bits are so cute i think the theme is so fun um it's casual enough um but yet gamery enough to keep your interest uh i i just and you don't again you don't see a ton of um like themed around this and i think this is this fun little cozy theme again another way to like get people who are non-gamers into gaming through this really accessible theme i just i i love it so uh my number 60 is arch revels yeah, this is a good game. Um, I don't think it's on my list, but it is fun for sure. My number 59 is a game from What's Your Game? And this is one of their lighter ones. And I say the term lighter as in, you know. <laughs> Barely. Means it's, you know, solidly medium heavy. But for a What's Your Game game, it's, you know, like a, a kid's game. Candy. And it's called, yeah, Candy. And it's called Signore. I don't know how you say it. It's Italian. Um, it's the Italian word for like family line or patriarchy i don't know please stop don't don't (laughs) don't try that (laughs) but this is a game where it's a dice drafting game 
and you're going to be drafting dice that have different colors that are going to represent one of the five or six actions on your player board. The color that you take is the action that you get to activate. But the trick here is you have to take a certain number or higher, or if you don't, you have to pay money to increase your influence to be able to take that action. And you're trying to keep your threshold of numbers below a certain level because it helps you get an end-of-round bonus. Now, the whole goal of the game is to send your sons, you're like a, a dad and a, you know, a f- head of a family, you're sending your sons out to get trained in three different tracks. There's military, there's like diplomacy, and I think like cleric, uh, clergy. And then eventually they're going to go off to another country, which is another little space on the board, to do some diplomacy. And all that means is you're moving them from the track, scoring some points, putting them somewhere else, getting more points. And then you're taking your daughters, and they're going to get married off to diplomats in these other countries to score points. It's just all about taking dice, using your family to expand your influence across the board, getting your your sons married off, getting your daughters married off so you can have more people to play with and score the most points. It takes place over like six or seven rounds. It's pretty good. I enjoy it. My number 59, Signori. I have not played this probably because you don't want to hear me complain about women being used as currency. They're not currency. They're expanding the diplomacy of their family. Through the use of their physical bodies, as opposed to any kind of training or career. Oh, I can't even. I, I don't know. I, the theme is just whatever. They I know. Be, you don't care about the theme. They could be meeples. Who cares? But that's that's what you're doing. Yes. I have not played Signori. Uh, but when I have played that was already mentioned, my number 59 is Broom Service. Bet you didn't see that coming. Uh, of course, I again, this is a bigger surprise to me than it is to you, I think, because for a long time, I was like, broom service sucks. I hate this game. Why does anybody like this game? And then I gave it a second chance because I said I would, and my mind has totally changed. It's especially when you play it with the right group of people that are willing to be silly and be like, I'm a brave witch. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. ridiculous. But it is good. It's like, ooh, that like the choice that you make of what card. Number one, the programming your hand, what cards you're going to pick to to take in the round. But then you're hoping oftentimes that they fall in a certain order because you need certain things. Like I need to get um, different potions and things in order to be able to deliver them. So if I have delivery cards and those come out before I actually gather, oh, that sucks and it's ruined. So there's like that that cool like tension happening. And then there's also the tension of like, ooh, is anybody else going to have this card? Do I pick brave or do I just like suck it up and go cowardly and deal with it? Um, or can I try to get, somehow get to have the last pick so I can be brave? Uh, there's also event cards. And that's probably one of my favorite things about the game that you can say, oh, you know what? Like one of my favorite event cards, don't play any cards and you just get points. And you're like, okay. Um, and so weighing those options, like how do I work with the event? Like, is it worth me buying into or am I going to use my own plan? Uh, I actually think the artwork, while um, I don't know, maybe some people think it's juvenile. I think it's really cute. It's Vincent Dutrait. I like it. I'm a big I'm a big Vincent Dutrait fan. Um, and I think the little witches and druids are adorable. So, yeah, my number 59 is broom service. Yeah, if you haven't played it. Check it out because it's a ton of fun. Just have a lot of people because otherwise you have to use like dummy cards and that's not fun. Yes, you definitely want to play this at the high player counts. It is really fun that way. So my number 58 is a game we actually backed on Kickstarter. We don't do that. 
We don't. Well, we didn't. Apparently, I've lost my mind, and we do now. <laughs> um, but this is a game called Moonshine Empire, and we've only played this at two, and I actually think it would be better at more people, at more players, because there would be more stuff going on. But what you're doing in this game is it's kind of a, a, a route-building game. You're using your little people that you have, your little moonshiners, and you're distilling to make moonshine. And then you're also using vehicles that you have to build a network to be able to deliver moonshine to Pappy or other customers in the center of the table. The trick here is no one owns the vehicle, so if you get out of it, someone else can steal it, and then they can use it in their network, which is pretty cool. doesn't happen a ton in a two-player game, which is why I want to see a higher player count. And there's also a cop that if you he happens to come across you when you're trying to head to Pappy's house, you'll lose some of your shine. There's also a gator that could come across, and in order for him to not eat you, you have to put some shine in his mouth, so he'll confiscate some of your shine, which is crazy. But you're just trying to make as many deliveries as you can to either Pappy or specific customers that you have that want certain types. There's three different types of moonshine that you're making to score the most points. That's it. It has great components. The moonshiners hold the... The moonshine in their hands. You can put them in the back of the truck. Each vehicle holds a different number of people. They all travel differently. It's it's a great game. It's fantastic. It may go on a little too long, but I do definitely like it and would like to play it more. So my number 58, Moonshine Empire. Yeah, I would like to see it with a lot of, um, with more people just to see how it plays because I think it would, I think it's good. Uh, my number 58 is a game we did not back at Kickstarter a lot of people, it got a lot of hate for it. Like, oh, it goes on too long. And I'm like, no, you just don't like games. Uh, <laughs> so they made a variant for it for all the whiners. I still like it. And then it's Abomination, The Heir of Frankenstein. Uh, this game is, again, I feel like I love a, lit- a good literature theme. And it's actually done really well thematically as far as you're going around and you're getting body parts to create your own monster. Um, so you can do that in a lot of ways, some that are, um, shadier than others. And so your humanity is like a dial that you're also keeping track of. Uh, you want to build up your prestige as a doctor as well. Again, so people will leave you alone in some ways you've got it. You want to get kind of fresh parts cause they only last for so long. You got to try to preserve some other ones if, it, if they're not going to be able to last. And then once you assemble the parts, you got to try to bring them to life. Uh, so you got to have your your latent jars and um, use that electricity to make it alive. And uh, I, I just love that. I think it's a fun theme. I love this kind of dark gothic theme. You know, I, I'm a big fan, obviously, of Shelley. So this game just does it, I think, really well. So uh, number 58, Abomination, the Heir of Frankenstein. Yeah, there are actually two variants now. There's Igor, which is from the publisher, and there's Prometheus, which is a designer one mm. that supposedly makes it even better because you don't have to build tissue and then put skin on it. You just have to do it one time. Oh. And yeah, which I think is pretty cool. I want to try that one. So my number 57 is a game that was kind of mentioned in news um, adjacently. And this is called Creature Comforts. This is a game from Kids Table Board Games. It's a fantastic worker placement game with some uh, speculation because you're going to have a couple dice that you know the values of. You're going to have four that you don't. And until you place your workers, those other dice aren't getting rolled. And then you're hoping that where you placed, the dice are going to work for you. You're trying to collect resources, use those resources to build comforts, just score a pile of points. It's adorable. It's super accessible. It's a cute little family weight game. And I like this game and a lot of their games quite a bit. So my number 57, 
creature comforts. Yes. Like we mentioned at the top, it and Maple Valley. Like, gosh, I, I really love what this company is doing. Our num- my number 57 is a game I never thought I would like. I've never seen the IP it's based on. Um, it is from Eric M. Lang is from the designers and it's from Simon. Those are things that we really generally don't talk about in glowing terms here at the Board Game Mechanics. But we it's love. True. We, or, or rarely, really ever. Yeah. Or, or ever. <laughs> but this game, uh, definitely one of our favorites. And it's The Godfather, Corleone's Empire. Um, I also hate area control games. But the gangster theme of this and you're like, you're shaking down stuff and you're fulfilling these contracts and you're performing a drive by or setting off a car bomb. It's just so satisfying. It's so fun. I don't know. I just want to be a mobster. No, I've never seen any of the Godfather movies and I don't feel like I need to. Honestly, I, I get what happens. The game is a pretty good representation, really. It, it kind of is. Hmm. I mean, I again, like, just because I'm not like an Italian mobster doesn't mean, you know, the Yakuza doesn't understand. Like, you hit me, I hit you back twice as hard. Like, I got this. And it's so fun to, like, act out like those mobster, like, um, I don't know. I don't want to say, like, dreams. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yes. Like, it's just fun. Um, throwing people, their members into the river you know, in the Hudson, uh, it's just a really fun game where you're placing your people to collect. I mean, you're collecting resources and filling contracts. But then once you fill a contract, it has um, a special ability that allows you to help. It generally helps you either fulfill more contracts or have um, the area control piece that gives you points in addition to the points that you get from fulfilling contracts and collecting money. I, I really, really like this game. We haven't played it for a while, and I've been kind of having Jones in to get it back out because it's a really good time. Like, Cash and Guns followed up by this. That's what I'm talking about. So, my number 57, The Godfather, Coalion's Empire. Yeah, this and, well, the two meanest games that I think I like are both from Simon, and it's this one and uh, Dogs of War. They're so both super mean, but, man, The Godfather is so good. I agree with you. I don't know where it is on my list, but it's a fantastic game. Uh, my number 56 is a game that I don't know if you like, or maybe you do now, who knows? Uh, <laughs> and it is called Deep Blue. And this is from Days of Wonder. This is a push your luck game, effectively, from Days of Wonder, where you're moving these little boats around, playing cards. It's kind of a little deck builder, too. You have different cards that are going to let you move boats around to different islands to or different wreck sites to try to explore there. And there are other cards that are going to, you can have, they have money values, which will let you recruit new cards. There are cards that give you points for getting certain kinds of gems. There are cards that are going to um, protect you from different hazards. But the goal of the game is when you get to a location, you can decide to dive and you're going to start digging through the bag on this tile that's represented by this tile to try to get different gems. There's silver, there's gold, there's green, red, I think purple, um, I think that might be it. But in that bag is also some blue, and there's also black, which are bad. They can cause you to bust if you're not protected. The first one of each of those is free. They're not going to hurt you, but after that, if you don't have protections, everything you pull out of the bag, you're going to, you're, you're not going to be able to score unless you played cards. But the cool thing is, if other people are on that tile with you, they can decide to join in on the dive, and they can profit from your dive and get a lot of the points, even though you may not get any. So it's a cool little push your luck game with some 
I guess, semi-cooperation, because, well, kind of mooching, I guess, is really what it is. And you're just trying to score the most amount of money by the end of the game. I like it. It may go on a little too long for a push-your-luck game, but I still enjoy it. So my number 56, Deep Blue. Yeah, I um, I do like this, but I don't play it as a push-your-luck game. I play it as a deck-building game. And you play it as the mooch. You are the mooch. Yeah, because I'm using my cards effectively. I'll need to dive. You're going to dive. I can just jump right in. That's true. It's a good philosophy. But then if nobody ever dives, then... <laughs> no, obviously, <laughs> like, if no one else is diving, I'm going to dive. But I'll just build up my cards. And then when you go diving, I'm like, yeah, me too. That's true. My uh, number 56 is... A f- I don't want to say a new game to us, but I think it's been out for a while. And we had never played it. And I think it's because the cover is so ugly. It's got some... I'm, I- on our version, it's ugly. Oh, yeah. our version. Uh, it's got some weird... Yeah, it does have some weird art in our version, but the game is really fun. And that's Coliseum. I really like this game. Uh, there is... It's in some ways basic contract fulfillment because you're trying to get the different things you need to put on these different plays or stage these different... I don't want to say scenarios, but... Yeah, they're like plays in the uh, Coliseum. Yeah. yeah. Plays yeah. or games or whatever that you put on in your Coliseum. And so you're trying to get like set pieces and, and different people to be in them. And uh, you can do that through like the auction mechanic where you actually bid and receive different lots of things. But there's also this really big um, player interaction piece where you can make trades and see who needs what, when, and then you're trying to get certain um, specific, like, I don't know, big wigs to come see, your production production that's a good word production in your coliseum and that's going to give you extra points for it and like the bigger more lavish your production the more points you're getting for that and it's like a really quick number of rounds like this game flies by but i just like i think the theme is fun and i like all the player interaction with the trading and things so that's my number 56 coliseum yeah this is a good game i want to play this one some more because it's basically auction trading and set collection and i like all that stuff yeah so my number 55 is actually um, way better than the game that it spawned from. And this game is called Seven Wonders Duel. Seven Wonders, not a huge fan, but Seven Wonders Duel is a two-player only version of that, which is, it gives you the same feels. Um, you're basically going to set up these cards in a certain pattern based on what round it is. I think it's three, two or three rounds. And um, you're going to take a card. If you reveal a card that's face down, the card gets flipped up and your opponent has access to that. It's the same kind of scoring. Uh, there's blue cards that are just, you know, going to give you points. There's production cards that would give you goods and resources and all that kind of thing. There's science cards, which if you get a certain number of those, you can automatically win. And there's military, which will help you move upon this track. If you can make it all the way to the other person's side, then you win the game as well. If neither of the science or military happens, whoever has the most points at the end of the game is the winner. It's great. It blows Seven Wonders out of the water. Um, I don't ever want to play Seven Wonders. I'll just play this. So good. We have one of the expansions. Don't even need it because the base game is just solid. So mine are 55, Seven Wonders Duel. This is a really good game. I, I love it. Um, my number 55 is a game that I think is huge bang for your buck. And that game is Dice Forge. Now, I played another game called like Rattlebones or something, which has the similar gimmick of popping off die faces, but it is like paltry compared to what dice forge is this game is so fun and you get a ton of stuff in it for like 30 bucks or something like it's outrageously good so in dice forge you have 
two dice, and on every turn, not just yours, everyone's turn, you're rolling the dice and you're collecting something. You can collect points and coins and uh, two different types of gemstones. And then on your turn, you actually spend them to either get cards that are going to give you abilities or items or even just straight up points, or you're going to spend the coins that you have to buy and upgrade your die faces to make them into something better, um, some other kind of set collection piece that you're wanting, because you're ultimately just trying to score a butt ton of points. I, I love it. It's it's quick. And it's one of those where you're like, oh, I've got good die faces. And you're like, whoo, the end is almost here. Like, you can't, you can't slack. But also, you're getting stuff all the time. So managing those resources is something that you really have to keep an eye on. Um, and part of that is, are my die faces giving me too much of a particular resource? But I also like this for newer type gamers because it keeps you constantly engaged. Because you're doing things on each turn, regardless of if that turn is yours. Uh, the artwork is pretty. You use the board, um, use the box as part of the game to like lay the board next to and also store all the extra dice fa die faces. Um, it's just such a good game. So my number 55, Dice Forge. Yeah, I don't know how they make this game so cheap. I, I don't understand it. Yeah. There's some voodoo or something in there. I don't know. <laughs> I have actually been trying to find a copy of Rattlebones because I think Rory would like it. Hmm. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. We'll see. It's, it's super expensive for some reason. I don't get it. Weird. Yeah, it is weird. So my number fifty four is a game that Fred. Fred knows who he is. Posted <laughs> some pictures and said it was great. And I found a copy and got it in a trade. And it is called Legacy: The Testament of Duke de Crecy or Crecy. I don't know how you say it. The Testament of Duke. And uh, this is a game all about building a family tree. It's a worker placement game where you're going to have a main board that you can go to that are going to let you acquire some types of cards. But you also have your main board, which will let you take cards that are in your hand to maybe marry them off to certain people, um, have start having kids, do some family planning, all that kind of thing. Uh, just trying to expand your family tree and make it as... I don't noble, reputable as it can be. You want to have like mansions and like government relationships and all that kind of thing to just have a better family than everybody else. It takes up a huge, huge room in the table because you're actually using cards to build this like family tree. Starts with two and it just starts, you know, expanding out. So it needs a big table. But if you're into a game that's different and feels not like a lot of other games, I'd highly recommend this one so my number 54 legacy the testament of duke de Crecy. yeah this game is pretty good it's definitely um unlike a lot of other games that i've ever played it sure. and it for is sure. a table hog for sure uh my number 54 and i honestly don't know if there's like a new like a little brother i think to this is what i would call it in arc nova um that I might like more if I play more. We'll see. I honestly have no idea if it's on my list somewhere. It could be. It could have beat this out. But I love this game, and that's Terraforming Mars. It is ugly. It is ugly as sin, and the components are real sherbety. I think they look good. Oh, my gosh. No, you don't. <laughs> no, even I think this game is ugly, and that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Windows 95 clip arts for space <laughs> um, and like yeah. the thinnest cardboard and nothing inset. I mean, you can get those upgraded, I believe, right? You can get. We do have those. We have that expansion that gives you those. Yes. Um, which is legitimately what you need. Um, 
But this game, you are working to terraform Mars. It's like the name of the game, which I actually approve of. I like it when the name of the game actually reflects what you're doing in the game. That's true. Yep. Now, I hate space, which is why I feel like there are a lot of things about this mechanically that Ark Nova does. And it's in a theme that I actually enjoy. Uh, So we'll see how that shakes out. But I like the idea of like card play, of using cards to then get resources, or like you can create really awesome engines uh, where you are using cards. Like you can even create like microbes, and those microbes give you points, and you can spend them on these other places. Uh, You are putting down like water, you're increasing water, and you're increasing oxygen through plants and all these things on Mars um, to make it habitable. Yeah, that's how you say that word. Um, I don't know. You're the one who's good with words. Don't ask me. (laughs) And while I don't care about the theme, I love that really great card play, collecting resources, working on this engine, um, using cards and sort kind of sorting through cards to find the ones that you can use to your advantage. Like, I just love that kind of puzzle in this game. I don't know if it's supposed to be interactive. I don't pay attention to anybody else but my own stuff. <laughs> so Same. There are some cards that are interactive, but who cares about those? Those are dumb. Yeah, I, I just, this game is like a really great puzzle for me. Um, and, and, and I really like that challenge. So yeah, my number 54 is Terraforming Mars. Uh, my number 53, I'm just guessing, is probably higher on Katie's list. I'm embarrassed and- that it's so... It's this low on your list. What is wrong with you? I, again, if we played it more and it was more in my memory, maybe. Um, it's Shakespeare. Another game about some guy who writes some things. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> One of the greatest influences in Western literature. But no, he's some uh, guy. I can't. I, I knew that fire you up. <laughs> I, I do know some of the things that he has, he has written as well. So okay. Imagine around. that. Because like 50% of like pop culture based media and story are based on Shakespeare. Okay. I just can't. I, uh. Let's talk about the game. So the game is about some guy named Shakespeare. And he is putting on these. We're putting on his plays in a theater house. And what you're trying to do is you are using workers to take different actions on your board. You're trying to get set dressings. You're trying to get uh, costumes for your people. You're trying to recruit new actors to come into your um, play to make it better, to score more points. Then you may have to do a dress rehearsal to see how all that pans out. And you're trying to move up on these tracks. It's a it's a very Euro-y game with a pretty cool theme that's not actually done a ton, which I don't care about it as much. But it is a, a cool theme that I don't think there's any other games that have it. A theme about Shakespeare other than kill Shakespeare, which is completely different. And terrible. Um, yeah, and, and not very good. But it's a, a gr- good Euro game. The backstage expansion makes it even more fun because now you can do stuff with all of your workers instead of just the ones you're bidding with, which is cool. And I like this game. It's good. And my, that's my number 53, Shakespeare. It is good. So good. Spoiler alert. That's a top 10 game for me. What? Top 10? Yes! You, that's why I said you are straight out your mind embarrassing if you think this belongs in the 50s. You're blinded by the word Shakespeare. That's it. I, no, I completely disagree. We're going to play it right after we're done with recording this podcast. I'm not saying it's a bad game. Number 53, that's pretty high. Mm, Okay. Take, take one of those numbers off and that's where it is in mine. It's not a top 10 game. You are wrong. (laughs) My number 53 is a game that I don't know. I feel like Jason likes this better than me. I don't know, actually. Let me look where you're talking. Only because 
It's a feld. And as I've mentioned before, so Jason's <laughs> borderline erotic feelings towards Mr. <laughs> Stefan Feld. Yeah, I may have a problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's not alone. Mike Race from the board game rundown also creepily into Feld. I do like this game, obviously, as it's this high on my list, and that is Amerigo. So this is from Queen Games. Like, look, I got all, all the stuff in here. I got designer. Good job. Good job. Um, what? I, the more I play this, the more I like it. Um, but I'm not. As, I don't think I'm very good. I'm not good at part of this game. So there's a couple different things you're doing in this game. The cool thing about Amerigo is it's got this cube tower. And what you're doing is you're seeding it with action cubes um, as you there's like seven different colors, which represent seven different types of actions that you can take in the game. Um, and so you just drop in the color that you're on and some of it may come out. Some of all those colors may come out. Some of those colors may come out. Some other colors may come out. Um, whatever color has the most cubes in it. You count that number of cubes. That's the strength of the action. And then you and all the other players are able to choose any of the actions whose cube colors fell in that turn to take the action at the strength of the largest number of cubes in whatever color. Uh, that sounds really crazy. There are probably a better way to say it, but that's how you do it. No, it makes sense when you see it. It, it does make sense. Yes. So you, some of the actions, like you got to fight off pirates. You're also um, sailing these little boats around these islands and you're going and discovering these islands. You are laying settlements down on the islands. You have to actually, you know, buy the buildings and then build them on with separate actions. Um, as you build them, you're covering up different resources that the islands have. Um, and so then there's also this set collection mechanism, not even set collection because you're like actually doing a multiplier thing. Um, right. Yeah. Which yeah. is where I shine. That's where I get my points is for these in-game multipliers during the game, placing settlements. I kind of stink at that because, again, there's there's some area control with that as far as if you have the most settlements on certain islands. Um, there's these other specialty tiles that I also really enjoy that can give you special powers that maybe break the rules, which I love. Like there's this one that allows you to use the colors for building to either build or to uh, buy the buildings. So like you can just go back and forth. It gives you all these options. There's tracks, it's browns and ugly other sort of colors. Like it is, a re it really has grown on me. The more I play it, the more I like it. So my number 53 is Amerigo. This was in my 70s. So I don't like it as much as you, but I do really like it. It is, I would probably say my second favorite Feld. Yeah, I like a lot of felds that you don't like as much. So this is one, like, I like other felds better than this one because they're, they're more feldy. This one doesn't feel as feldy as some of the other I ones don't know that. what feldy means because I you have obviously have a more hands-on experience with feldiness, apparently. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't understand it. My it, just, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel as, like, it doesn't feel as much like some of his other games. Mm. That's kind of what that means. Like, it doesn't feel like Trajan. It doesn't feel like a Aquasphere. It doesn't feel like a Bonfire. And those are the things that I like a little bit more. That where there's not a lot you can do and it's super punishing. Those are the ones that I like a little bit more. But I will say I have a Feld in my top 20. So I. Yeah, I, I probably have that one up there too, I'm sure. I don't hate them. But yeah, this is my second favorite, I think. All right. So my number 52 is actually a game that we knew nothing about. Saw it at the game store once. Had a cool theme and old like 
um, what's that game? Get Smart theme, kind of. And it's called Covert. And this is a game where you're using dice as like programming. And you're going to put these dice on these different action spaces. I think there's four different action spaces. Based and based on how many dice you have in a location depends on the strength. The tricky part is when you're placing a die, it has to be next to another die that's already there. So as spaces start filling up, it's going to be limiting to what you have left. And if you can't place a die, you can put it um, like in this little generic section to get a special token to help you out later. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to move your spies around this map. And you're trying to get them in certain locations. You're trying to collect different types of gadgets, like uh, a shoe phone, lock picks, uh, a little camera, like fake IDs and all that kind of thing. And you're trying to complete these missions. So you may need to have certain people in a location and certain types of things to complete these missions. You're trying to be the first player to do, I think, five or six missions, depending on the number of players. And then whoever has the most points is the winner after all. After that's done, there's also some safe cracking that you can do, which is going to let you move these little numbers around to help get you some bonus items that you can use in your missions. But that that's the game, really. It's pretty fun. It may be, again, a little long for what it is, depending on how well stuff's coming out and all that kind of thing. But I really like it. So my number 52, Covert. Yeah, I really like this game a lot. I don't know where it is on my list, though. Oh, I just like it just a little bit outside this list. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, My number 52 is a game we don't actually own. And honestly, I think maybe we played it once. But it was such, like, it's so thematic. And it's a really fun theme. And I think it does it the best of this theme that I love it. It's so high. And apparently we're getting a copy. And I can't wait. And that game is Taxi Derby. So you're driving through the city, you are picking up um, customers, you want high pay customers. And in order to get high pay customers, maybe you have to have the right upgrades that those high paying customers like. Maybe you need a good sound system, you need some air conditioning, you need your sat nav, whatever. Um, There's all those and you want to get them there pretty quickly. So there's speed limits and you don't want to, if you exceed the speed limit, the cops can come get you. So you're trying to avoid the cops pulling you over and you're losing your cab fare. Uh, it's it's pick up and deliver, but with these other really cool little like thematic elements thrown in it, it's just so fun. Like, I don't know why. It's what I think a pick up and deliver absolutely should be. Like it just um, pulls all the greatest parts of it. And so I, I can't wait to play this more because I, I really, really like it. So that's my number uh, 52, Taxi Derby. Yeah, I mean, I love Pick Up and Deliver. So, yeah, I can't wait to play this again. It was so good. It was on my not unowned list because I had that stipulation. But it, it, it did make the list, which is good. So my number 51 is actually, I think I got it as a Father's Day on a Father's Day sale. And it is called mm-hmm. Masters of Renaissance. Lorenzo Il Magnifico, the card game. Now, I don't know why they named it that, because <laughs> it's not really a card game. Um, this is effectively, it, it. it's like the, if you've played Lorenzo, this is kind of like the production part of that game, where you're using the green and the yellow buildings to get stuff and convert them into other things to score points. That's effectively what this game is. But the way this game does it is, it has this really cool like marble selection grid. You're going to pick a row or a column of marbles. It's going to be, I think, three or four different marbles. And you're going to get to take those actions or get those resources or, you know, whatever those marbles do. 
Then you're going to take the uh, a marble that's outside and you're going to slide it into that column or row that you picked to change the actions for other players. And you're trying to collect resources. You're trying to use those resources to buy cards from this grid. You're putting these cards into your engine. You're eventually going to be running your engines to score points, to do all these kinds of things. And I think the game ends when someone's built a certain number of cards. Um, there's some goal cards you're trying to meet. It's it's a pretty simple game, like how you play, but there is a lot of depth in when do you want to buy the cards, what kind of cards you're going to buy. You can only hold so many goods in a certain spot, so you're trying to convert them to get them down into your chest because that's unlimited storage. It's It feels crunchy. It's just not as crunchy as Lorenzo, but I still enjoy it quite a bit. So my number 51, Masters of Renaissance, the Lorenzo Il Magnifico card game. Have I played this with you? Yeah, I think we played it with Chris and Amy. Hmm. I played it with Brandon a bunch. I played it solo a, a bunch, bunch. Um, but I think we played it one time with Chris and Amy. I, I can't remember. Some of it, when you talk about it, sounds vaguely familiar. And other parts of it don't. So I can't remember if I liked it at all or not. Well, because Gollum has that um, marble thing too. But this is not as deep as Gollum. And we played both of them pretty like close together, so maybe okay. they're just running running together. That's another game I need to play again to decide where to rank it as Golem. But anyway, uh, yeah, I like the regular Lorenzo because actually I think my favorite part are the other two towers of cards in Lorenzo. Oh yeah, the the in game scoring cards. Yeah, um, so I think that's why Lorenzo is so much higher because there's both parts happening in it. But we'll get to that in a few weeks. Uh, my number, and this is, this is the last one for the episode. My number 51 is a game with a really cool theme. And I honestly think that theme, the uniqueness of it and the way it's executed well in this game is the reason why it's so high. And that is the networks. Uh, in the networks, you are kind of an executive for your own television network and you are trying to get some programming together so there's these shows that you're like drafting which i think is really fun because they're a lot of them are parodies of actual shows you need to get some stars which are also parodies and you need ads and the ads are going to give you money the stars are going to give you extra viewers which are points um you need the money to like purchase to like help pay for everything that you're doing you don't have hardly ever have enough money. Um, and also like the show's age, which I think is really a cool mechanic and you get less viewers as time goes on because that's really how shows work. Um, sometimes, sometimes they can actually get more viewers after like the first season, after the first season. And there are a few shows I think that do that, but generally after, you know, by the third or fourth season, you're booting yeah, that out for something better true. or moving to a better time slot. And even that's part of it is getting it in the right time slot. That's going to, you know, be the give you the most viewers. There's also several um, expansions and things. There's the two player only that we also have, which is pretty fun. Um, we have the what's executives? No, yes, but the British one. Oh, um, telly time. Telly time. So we have like some Brit stuff, um, but we also have the executives we haven't played with. So there's all kinds of like different things to add on, like player power. It's just like really cool stuff. And I, I love this theme and how it's executed and, and the thematic choices that you're making and, um, you know, matching up stars with the types of uh, shows that they want to be in. Like I, it's it's really fun. I really enjoy this game. So my number 51 is The Networks. Oh, yeah. This is a great game. It's way better than the two-player version, too. But the two-player is good. The Big Brother is great, for sure. Yes. 
All right, so that are, those are our numbers 60 through 51. We're going to give you a quick, a, I cannot talk, a quick recap of our list from today's episode. All right, so my number 51 is Masters no. of Renaissance. What? 60. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. We got to go the higher number down. That's right. My number 60, forget that I said that other thing. My number 60 is Broom Service. 59 is Signori. How do you say it? Doesn't matter. 58, Moonshine Empire. 57, Creature Comforts. 56, Deep Blue. 55, Seven Wonders Duel. 54, Legacy, The Testament of Duke de Cresci. 53, Shakespeare. 52, Covert. And 51, Masters of Renaissance, the Lorenzo Il Magnifico card game. Since I know how countdowns work, I'll start with my number 60, which is Arch Ravels. My number 59 is Broom Service. 58 is Abomination, the Heir of Frankenstein. 57, The Godfather, Corleone's Empire. 56, Colosseum. 55, Dice Forge. 54, Terraforming Mars. 53, Amerigo. 52, Taxi Derby. And 51, The Networks. So those are the 50s in our Top 100 Countdown. Has anyone else done a Top 100? or a top 50, or a top 10. If you haven't done a top 10, I would love um, for, if you're listening, to go out and do your top 10. Or you don't even have to go to Pub Meeple to rank them. Uh, you can sit and look through your board game collection and talk about the games that you play the most or the games you like the most. I'd love to see your top 10 rankings in a couple weeks uh, as we get towards the end of the year to see what your top 10 games are because I love to find new games. Um, and I love to take recommendations from people because I know I am really easy to look at a, a box cover or hear a theme and be like, ugh, that. But I have been proven wrong and I'm willing to change my ways and willing to accept new games and step out of my comfort zone if my people recommend something to me. So I'd love to see your top 10. And also, any, do you guys like these games? Do you recognize these games? Something new to try? Let us know. You can hit up all of our socials. Um, we love to hear from you guys, chat with you, and talk about games. That's our favorite part. Yeah, and the Discord channel's been growing. The Rivet has been growing. So there's been getting some cooler, more, more interesting chat on both of those because there's just a, a good community. So if you're looking forward to talk to us more or hear us talk about our thoughts more, Check those two out. Yeah. And we're also trying to do um, some more live, uh, either Facebook Live, YouTube Live. We're going to try all the, those lives um, to talk about our 100, uh, out beyond the 100, outside the 100, um, to get more like gameless countdowns and talk about the old and busted and the very rare a uh, new hotness on our game list and what's in our collection so that we can talk about games even more. So check those out. I, I think we're not only doing the video, but we're also trying to do audio only like podcast episodes of those as well so that everybody can listen to them because I don't know, maybe you're bored or you have insomnia or both or both. I don't know if my voice is soothing enough to put somebody to sleep, but it might be. <laughs> <laughs> it puts a lot of my students to sleep, to be honest. So I guess it must be working. All right. Well, I th it's, just, it's just the setting, the, the teacher setting. <laughs> I guess so. All right. I guess this has been a long enough episode, not as long as last week's, but um, we are heading into the holiday season and can't wait to count down the top 50 games on our list. So I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming, everybody.
Gegend. <lacht>